0: One of our core values here at First Church um, is this idea that we believe as a congregation, and it's really been at the, the root of who we've been for the last hundred plus years as a congregation, is this idea that God has, has called us to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Uh, this idea of, of being uh, engaged in missions around our world. And so, one of the ways that we express that is through wonderful partners, helping uh, uh, as we partner with them to take, uh, again, this message of the good news of Jesus Christ around the world to places uh, that we can partner together. And one of those uh, great partners that we have over the last few years is Tim and Kim Wardell. And they serve as missionaries to the Lakota people at at the Pass Creek uh, Church, Church of God in Allen, South Dakota. Uh, And they've got a wonderful ministry there. We've been able to have the privilege of uh, partnering with them, sending uh, four, five, six uh, teams to... Uh, serve with them to uh, just do some, some different work kind of camp kind of situations with them. And so we're excited to have them uh, as our, as our guest today, uh, We, uh, which is kind of a fun thing. We are going to broadcast this next moment to all of our campuses, so this can be a kind of a family moment across all our campuses uh, coming together to hear from these great partners that we have, uh, Tim and Kim Wardell. We want to invite you to come and, and share with us today. God bless. So let's give them a warm First Church welcome.
1: Good morning. Good
2: morning. Oh. He honey wash Chante wash day nape Chi yuzopo. Machepiapi Tim Wardell. Lakota Machepiapi Tatanka Ska. Mishka Kim wash day Nape chope Lakota Tiospaye. Wopila wakantanka oyate. Hello and good morning. We greet you with a warm heart. My name is Tim Wardell. My Lakota name is White Buffalo. That's where we get a laugh normally, so (laughs) go ahead. We had a guy in our Spanish uh, Spanish group that comes and visits every year, and he says, he started dying laughing when he found out my name, and I said, Daniel, what's so funny? He says, well, you are big and you are white. (laughs) I don't know what's so funny about that, but... But anyway, so uh, my name is White Buffalo. Um, This is my good wife, Kim. And we greet you, bring greetings to you from the Lakota people. And we thank you, family of God, for your hospitality and your generosity to us.
1: We do. We are so grateful to be here this morning. We've longed for many years to come and visit with you here in your home and we're grateful for those of you from your church who have come and visited with us. When Tim and I first moved to Allen and began to form Bridges of Hope Ministry, um, we talked about how, what our vision might be and what our purpose there might be. And as we learned the Lakota culture, we were introduced to the concept of the medicine wheel if those of you have any familiarity with the indigenous tribes, they use the medicine wheel, a circle divided into four parts, to kind of framework their view on life and God and culture. And so we did the same with the ministry. And so one of the first of those four parts for us was what we call a ministry of presence. And Tim's going to share a few stories that kind of explain that.
2: A couple of examples. When we say ministry of presence, what we're talking about is you know to be a ministry of presence you have to often put yourself in some uncomfortable places you have to be willing to go places that other people won't go and you have to be willing because the ultimate goal is to get them to hear the gospel message and so i was invited into a sweat lodge what we call an inipi and i don't know if you know but there's a dome that's covered with buffalo hide and there's rocks that are poured in put in there and the more rocks there are the hotter it gets So I was invited to one and after much debate and talking to some of my mentors and colleagues, I I came to the conclusion that the Lord would want me to go there. So I went in and I showed up in a flannel shirt and blue jeans. (laughs) Not very smart, but I showed up and after a good laugh from all of them, they said, brother, you might wanna take your shirt off and go into the Inipi with your jeans. And I said, okay, so we go in they light, the, they bring the rocks in, the firekeeper brings the rocks in and they close the door. They bring that buffalo hide down and it's pitch dark. One of the things they say, if you need to go out, you say, mitakie oyasi. And so I'm, after two seconds with the door shut, I, it's dark and it's about 400, 300, 400 degrees in there and I'm starting to panic. Jim Cross, who acted in Dances with Wolves, is sitting there right beside me. And he's the, of the Poor Bear clan, and he's leading this thing, and, and he's a big guy. And I start to panic, and so I try to say the word, and I can't. Mataki, waki, whatever. I'm just trying to say whatever would come out of my mouth. And I'm reaching over and grabbing this very large Native American with only a loin gird on And so I'm reaching over there, but the point is, is that once I went into that teepee, I showed them I'm willing to meet them where they are. I'm willing to be there where they are. That's a ministry of presence. And it broke down a lot of walls and a lot of barriers. Another quick example was invited to um, the Sundance. The Sundance is one of the seven sacred ceremonies, as is the sweat lodge. And you're invited to come and as a guest, you have to sit in a certain area I'm the only Christian pastor that has ever shown up to this Poor Bear Clan um, uh, Sundance. Thank you. And so they tie, they cut up a bone and sharpen its edges and pierce the skin. And then tie a rope from the bone to the tree in the middle of the tree. The tree is covered with ribbons uh, representing prayers of the many people. And these dancers are to stay pure for a year, uh, no alcohol, no, no drugs, nothing, nothing uh, that would keep them from being in right relationship with the creator. And then they come and they dance for three days, only can have water. And they dance until the piercing breaks through the skin and they shed blood and or until the third day and they finally just unhook them. And I was invited to this. And as I was leaving, there was a band of natives, a Lakota, around a Dodge pickup truck. And I thought, well, this is the end of my life. And I'm walking over there. And one of them that I was familiar with says, Pastor, what are you doing here? I said, well, I just wanted to come and see for myself. I just wanted to come and see for myself. I didn't want to believe what other people said. I wanted to see it for myself so that I could make my own assessments. And they all hugged me. I got bro hugs and, and I left, and I was asked to come back the next year, and I was able to go to Jim Cross, the one that Anepe and the Sundance, and say, "Brother, I won't be, no, but I appreciate the invitation, but I don't need to come back. I wanted to come to show honor and respect to you, but I don't need to watch people shed blood. My Savior Jesus died on the cross once and for all. His blood was shed for me once and for all. And I was, it afforded me the opportunity to share the gospel with him without throwing it down his throat. You know, we think there's God and then us Christians and all the peasants, right? We don't have it figured out. In fact, the more I get to know him, the less I know about him. And I want to know more. And so the ministry of presence is a way of inserting yourself into the culture, including yourself, being there, and just being part of the environment.
1: Another aspect of the culture that we work with is extreme poverty. The Lakota people live in extreme poverty on the reservation. And often the response to poverty is pull out what is in your pocket and, and give it to somebody. That's what feels like it's helping. But as we prayed and as we worked, we came to realize that sometimes that kind of helping actually hurts the people because it keeps them in a position of dependency. And so I had gotten a call one day from one of the teens that I worked with, and she said, Hey Kim, can you help us out with some groceries? We got all these babies and everybody's hungry. And I said, Yes, but I have a question. Does your mom still bead? Last I knew she did some beautiful bead work. And she said, Yeah. And I said, Could she bring some of her bead work and let me buy it from her? And with that money, they were able to go buy groceries. And then I turned around and I sold the beadwork so I could help the next person. And that interaction gave birth to what we now call the Lakota Trading Post. Everybody here is in shopping mode. Some of you, I'm sure, are shopping on Etsy. We have, in this last year, we formed a nonprofit. One of my board members is sitting over here this morning. And we have an Etsy store where the thousands of dollars of indigenous artwork that we purchase is then resold and that money turned back in to purchase the next persons. We're also in the process of coordinating with the local colleges to do trainings where the people can sit and learn how to open their own Etsy store. And so that's a different version of helping. It's one that calls out the dignity that's in each person because I believe that God has equipped each one of us with what we need to give him glory and to take care of our families. The third part of our, our wheel is building meaningful relationships. And that sounds logical, we do that all the time. But I'm here to tell you that building meaningful relationships can be very painful. You open yourself up, you have to be vulnerable. Sometimes you have to be very transparent, and one of the most open moments we have had in our time there is in 2017 when our 23-year-old son came out to visit us and three days later committed suicide. And that moment, not only was it painful for us as parents, but that moment allowed the Lakota people to see a need that we had and to come around us and want to meet that need because the Lakota people know grief. And so we were surrounded by people who wanted to come into our space and offer us comfort and offer us support. And then in turn, we could, I could turn to the ladies that I was working with and say, will you walk with me in this journey of grief? You're familiar with it. I'm new to it. And together, can we figure out how God promises to walk with us when we grieve, and it opened up the most powerful Bible study that we've had.
2: Our son was 23, Caleb, and he was a United States Marine. And he uh, was suffering from PTSD, and uh, he came to visit us and uh, died by suicide. And earlier, I had been adopted into a family and been given and went through one of the seven sacred ceremonies making of relatives and my adopted sister Melissa Yellowboy came and she said the reason all these people are here are not just to console you but to find out if what you've been telling us for the last year we got there in September of 2016 our son passed away in August of 2017 and so we had almost a year to witness to these people and bring the comforting words of God a funeral as pastor knows is not a place to preach people out of hell. It is a place to bring the comforting words of Christ and the promises that are made for those who place their faith and trust in him. And so um, my sister came and she said, I wanted to, we wanted to see all these people. It's 2.30 in the morning when we got the news. And all these people wanted to see if what you've been telling us for almost the past year and all these people you've helped us bury, do you really believe it? And I think that's what people are looking for is authentic Christianity. You either, When you talk it, you walk it.
1: I forgot I had another part. The last part of our ministry approach is partnering with others to reach the gospel, to reach the lost. And that's what we do with you. And we're grateful for your partnership. And Tim's going to share a little more about that partnership.
2: So very quickly, uh, you, you have been partners with us for about two years now. And in that two years, five times a group of men um, have, who have mastered the scripture that says Christians are peculiar people. They have mastered this. That was that. Now that was a good joke. Come on. So there's five or six guys that come out. They've come out and they've worked on Carol Badhand's house, a, a single woman with children in her house and grandchildren, and and as they will attest to you. She was very cold toward them at first, but when she saw the love that these men demonstrated through their acts of service, uh, she left, she gave them huge hugs, and she understands that no, she knows when they're coming and she wants to see them. So we we partner with you. You come out, and these men have not only gone in and served the Lakota people, but they served us. We run a ranch slash home, uh, a farm farm, uh, And my chore, she gives me a honey-do list this long. And those guys come and knock it down about halfway. And it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing because she sees it gets done, and then she puts more on the list, and the list just goes on and on and on. But these men, Jim Clark, Mike Nitz, are they both here? Okay. Jim, would you come up, please? There is a ceremony that the Lakota... Uh, Do we gave this quilt already to Jim, uh, not only in the first service, but before. And uh, essentially, the Lakota people honor, they show honor. And the way they show honor is they simulate uh, what they used to do back in the old days. They would take buffalo hide, one of the greatest things that they had, one of the most expensive things, and they would put it around someone that they honor, that they are grateful for, and they would say, Wopila Kola. Um, and Wopila Tonka, God, for this gift of friendship. And so Jim has received this quilt now three times. <laughs> <I've come quite laughs> and, he's, and he's only cried twice. He hasn't cried on this time yet. But, but we, we give this blanket in honor of Jim and the crew that comes out and gives so much to us. And in honor of Pastor David and the rest of the staff of First Church and all the satellite uh, locations, how grateful, how thankful we are that you love us enough and you think enough of us to send these kind of people to us to help us. So, Wopila, First Church. Thank you.
0: What a great way to transition out of the hearing about the wonderful ministry that the Wardells have uh, with Lakota people as missionaries, this idea of God with us, this idea of Emmanuel. And it's really such a such a compliment to the ministry here at First Church. Uh, sometimes people wonder, why do you have these different campuses? Because we believe, just like the Wordells, believe in this ministry of presence, of being with the people. So we're not the church that just goes across the bridge and does ministry and goes home. We're the church in Benton Heights. We're not just the church that hopes that we have a chance to reach the people in Stevensville, but we are in the village of Stevensville. We're not just the church that hopes it can reach the little farm community that most of us don't know a whole lot about, That's that spot on the road where the speed trap is, uh, but we hope to be able to be have a presence in that community. It's God with us. It's Emmanuel. It's having that that idea, and so we so so appreciate your ministry and the part, be able to, the ability to be able to partner with you and to hold your arms up as you do ministry. That most of us. Um, we we hope is going on, but we know it's going on because of you and your ministry and your partnership. So God bless you. Now you have a name with faces and we can pray together for the great ministry they're doing. Well, Christmas is obviously on its way it seems wild to think that uh, we are just a few short weeks away and so as we get into Christmas and some of you are right now wondering does he realize what time it is there is no way he's going to get me out in time for lunch I know him I've been here before I know how long he takes typically so rest easy where it's all good everybody take a deep breath and say David's going to get us out on time all right so let's talk about Christmas gifts, since it's Christmas, uh, and we're thinking about Christmas. And So what do you do? What's the first thing you do when uh, you get a gift? Some of you, you might shake it. Some of you, you get a Christmas gift. And I think of four-year-old David, and four-year-old David, when he would get a gift, he would just rip it open with a vengeance to see quickly, you know, what is it? Some of you in the now Social media age that we live in, you take a selfie with your gift and you post it somewhere online and you celebrate the gift that way. Uh, Us smart folk, the first thing we do is we look at the tag. Because you look at the tag, that tag gives you some sense of the gift. When you think about and, and look and see who the gift is from. Uh, when, uh, and if you've been here a while, I've, I've, I think I've shared with you that I have uh, my grandmother who's gone on now to be with the Lord. Uh, we called her Mama. And anytime there was a gift at Christmas as we would all get together and there was a tag from Mama, you knew it was going to be a horrible gift. <laughs> because my grandmother would go talk to my mom and she would ask her, what clothing item does David need? And my grandmother, Mama, would go, and she would buy that clothing item, and she would wrap that. And so you knew if the gift was from Mama, it was going to be some super practical uh, piece of clothing. And I learned at a very early age how to act like you liked a gift. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so, so that was Mama. My parents, on the hand, I grew up in those days, and some of you remember those days when you get the J.C. JCPenney catalog. Anybody remember that, those days? And we would uh, be given the J.C. Penney catalog, and my parents would say, "Now circle." Uh, we make a Christmas list from the J.C. Penney catalog. J.C. Penney catalog, catalog was so much better than the Sears catalog. The toys in the Sears catalog were worthless; not anything to compare with the J.C. Penney catalog. And so we would we would circle things and, and give our list, and so gifts were given based on what we had said that we wanted. And so I knew if the tag had my parents' name on it, it was going to be a really cool gift as a child. The gifts that we think of at Christmas, I just want to, just this one thought today, they all come with a tag from God the Father. Now, I want you to think about it this way. What that image of God the Father, so what, when you are struggling and, and, and you're hurting and you're broken, what image of God comforts you the most? What's the, when you feel betrayed and alone, when you feel anxious getting afraid alone, all, all, those, all, those, all those things, all those, those difficult times, when you're going through that dark night of the soul, what's the image of God, the picture of God that's most comforting in those moments? Is it that image of God as the just, righteous judge? Does that comfort you in those moments? Is it the image of God as the omnipotent, almighty, sovereign creator of all that is? Is that what comforts you again in that dark night of the soul? One of the most Comforting and powerful images that we have of God is that image that we see through Scripture as our God, as our Father, as our loving Heavenly Father. And Jesus in the New Testament, He models for us this interaction God the Father, God the Son. We see God talking. About Jesus, even before he he'd done all the miracles and done all the ministry and cared for the people and gone to the cross and for the, the resurrection, before any of that took place, God said of the son his son i'm well pleased, and we have the privilege as we as we interact with Jesus as we put Uh, As we put our faith in Christ as our Savior, as we accept the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, believe that he rose from the dead, as we as we do those things, we have the privilege of being adopted into the family of God to be the sons and the daughters of God. And so we have this privilege of being able to interact as sons and daughters of God, his children. And so today, just for a few minutes, as we introduce this new series, Father Christmas, let's just think about God as Father. He's the one that gives every Every gift that we're going to talk about, and we'll go through the Christmas story, and we'll see these different pieces of the Christmas story that just remind us of the gifts of peace and love and joy and all those things that we see typically in the Christmas story. But let's be reminded of where what is on the tag of all of those things. Through the person of Jesus Christ, made possible through the person of Jesus Christ, given by God the Father, he is the great gift giver. And so we read this passage, one of the first passages I ever memorized as a young father of Jesus, James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so what what James is telling us is that our Heavenly Father is the great gift giver. What's that phrase? Every good, good in the Greek is just translated things that are desirable, things that have positive qualities. And then he says every good, not just good, but James says every perfect gift, that word get in the Greek means something that is totally complete. It's without defect, without blemish. And what are the gifts that God gives? They are good and they are perfect. And the ultimate, of course, the ultimate Christmas gift that is good and that's perfect is the gift of Jesus Christ, is the the person of Christ. Just like if you watch a game today, a football game today, if you watching one last night, probably in the end zone of those, of those games uh, as they're kicking a field goal, you're going to see John three sixteen that reminder that God has given his gift of Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so he gave, he gifted, the tag says from God the Father. He's the good and he's the perfect gift. And it's eternal. He gives us eternal life in Christ. So it's that gift that keeps on giving. We have the gift of eternal life. Now, some gifts, when we give them, are good and they feel like almost perfect in the moment. We either give them or receive them and they're just great for for a temporary period of time and then for too long we're hauling them out to the garage and putting them on the table for the rummage sale or we're putting them in a box and taking them to Mosaic or taking them to to Goodwill because the good and, well, it's not so, so perfect anymore. But not so with Jesus. He is the good. He is the perfect gift from the Heavenly Father. It's a good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father, James says, of lights. Think about it. Think about that phrase, the father of lights. It's reminiscent of that descriptor that we see of, of God the father, the creator God. It reminds us of that. It reminds us that in Genesis it says that, that he spoke this world into existence. And that, he, that he, when he said, let there be light, just by his very word there was light. It was so. The power of God. The power of God that, that fuels the stars and the moon, the sun. That powers everything ultimately from God the father. He is the father of lights. He is the author of lights. And what do you what do you, what do you, when you th- you think of when someone says that they're the father of something? So the Wright brothers are the father of av- aviation or, or Thomas and Edison is the father of the light bulb. And God is literally the father of all of it. So every time this Christmas season, every time that you look at your Christmas tree, if you put one up in your home and you see those lights, Remember that God is the father of lights. When you drive around, and you ooh and you awe at the, at the houses that the people took all that time. Uh, don't drive by the Culp's. You won't see any of those cool lights. Um, I'm a light Scrooge, crystal nose. <laughs> but when you see those other great houses, be reminded of he is the father of lights. Or when you come to a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Eve Eve service and you... Light that candle, be reminded that he, God, is the father of lights. He is the the source. He is the one. He is the one that makes it all possible. Think of our heavenly father, the father of salvation, the father of Jesus, the father of eternal life. And then that final phrase, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I think we'd all agree that we live in a world that is constantly changing. Crystal wrote about that. If you get the newspaper, she wrote a column uh, this week to that that effect, did a great job of talking about the change that we experience. I think in my own life, I think as I grow older, you know, the things that are changing, I now go to sleep and everything feels really good. And then I wake up and things that weren't aching when I went to bed, somehow when I just laid there over the course of six or eight hours or whatever it is, now I wake up and things like ache. Why is that? I now have to read with glasses. I have to have glasses to read. Things change. Now I have, I have these little boys that used to run around the house, and now these little boys have beards. <laughs> My sons. There's a lot of things that change and continue to change. And not just the, the personal things, but we think about our world. Think, just think about in the last decade, I was just trying to think about some of the things that have changed. Think about how, how uh, uh, social media has changed things. Think about how COVID has changed things over the last few years. Just think about tipping, how that has changed. Now, no matter what you do, where you go, you know, how tipping, that's a whole subject. But, uh, or think about artificial intelligence, that, that's this burgeoning kind of area. And James reminds us in all of the midst of this change, that changes all around us in our world, that in the midst of all of that, what does does James say? Our God does not change. We don't have to wonder about if our amazing God that loved us yesterday or loves us in the moment, will he continue to love us? Will he continue to show us mercy and grace? Or will he change his mind? He won't. Well, his standards and what Scripture said is right and true. These the standards for, 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 for good, these values, these moral standards, are they going to change? Because our culture changes. Is God going to change his mind about what he thinks about certain things? And again, the answer is the foundation that you're standing on based on God's word does not change. He does not change. There's no outside force. There's no situation that is going to change that's going to make God not want you to be in a relationship with you, not want to love you. And, and we think about past, present, and future, that our God does not change. That's who our Heavenly Father is. That's who he was, who he is, and who he will be. James says there is no variation. There's no shadow of his changing. And so as we kind of just wrap up and we Turn our attention in just a moment to take communion together and to remember Jesus and remember this wonderful gift. What, What do we need to remember this first Sunday of Advent real quick? The first is based on what James says. We just need to remember that God gives amazing gifts. James reminds us in this passage God gives amazing gifts. He's not like your weird uncle that wants to re gift things and give you something you don't want. That's not our God. God gives good, he gives perfect gifts. And the ultimate example of that is Jesus. He gives, God gives. Amazing gifts. Secondly, James reminds us that that God has the resources to give amazing gifts. He is the author of it all. He's the the father of lights. He's the the one that, again, spoke this world into existence. He's the omnipotent, all-powerful creator. So the checks that he writes, that he gives you, you can always cash because he can back it up. He has the bank account to back up every gift given, past, present, future. God has the resources to give amazing gifts. And the third thing, God will continue to give amazing gifts. He doesn't change. He's given great gifts. He gives good gifts. And he will continue to give those good and perfect gifts. You can count on our God. Into eternity is good and perfect gifts. He will continue to give them to us. Invite our worship team to come back up. We have a tag on all the gifts that we think that God gives us at Christmas. And each one of those gifts, the joy, the peace, the love, salvation that's offered us through Jesus, given to us by, from God the Father. Your heavenly Father, he's the one that gave them all. And that's the amazing news that has been given. And so today we have the privilege as we take communion together. And by the way on every subsequent Sunday leading up to Christmas, we're going to take communion together. And we're just going to pause in our services and we're just going to remember Jesus. And we're going to celebrate the gift that is Jesus. We're going to celebrate the gift. We're going to celebrate what he did for us, the bread that will represent the body of Christ, the cup that represents the blood of Jesus shed for us. And so as we take communion today, we've got it at the Corners here in the front of this room And so we're gonna We're gonna just sit and we're gonna have a, Give you a chance to just Process and think about and come When you're ready and kneel and Take a take the the elements If you need to we have somebody to walk around If you can't kneel or come forward we'll, We'd love to help you with that And just take your time And let's worship our God during this final song Let me read this Let me read this passage that reminds us of what communion represents, what the last supper, the Lord's Supper, represents for us. For I see from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night that he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this is the Lord's table. It's not ours. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, we would ask you and we would invite you to come and take communion with us. You're welcome. Father, we love you. and We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, that one that you gave us, Jesus, makes our salvation possible. And so we pause and we look within, Father, and we prepare our hearts, God, and we look and see if there's anything within us that we need to confess before you today, that we need to get right before you today. And maybe someone's here for the very first time that just is making that decision right now to invite Christ to be their Savior. I pray, Father, that you would just set them free from the bondage that, of this world and sin that, that just plagues us. And God, thank you for the forgiveness that is offered through the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the eternity that you give us as we put our faith in your Son. And God, we are reminded of that as we take the bread and we take the cup. And remember the sacrifice of Jesus and what this gift means to us. We celebrate it and we pray in Jesus' name.